This is Voices of Texas, the podcast featuring the most interesting Texans you've never heard of. Recording in Midland, Texas, here is your host, Matthew Hinman. Welcome to episode 12 of Voices of Texas, the podcast about Texans. Thank you so much for listening to Voices of Texas each episode. I hope you're really enjoying the program, and I would greatly appreciate any feedback you have. So feel free to visit VoicesOfTexas.com and click on either the iTunes or the Stitcher links there and leave me a review. Here is what Laura said in one review. As a transplant to Texas who's lived here for many years now, I find Matthew's concept for this podcast intriguing. I enjoyed hearing about his first guest experiences in Joplin and in Texas and look forward to hearing future episodes with more of the most interesting Texans you've never heard of. Great job, Matthew. Thank you, Laura, for such a wonderful review. Also, another reviewer going by the name of Cozy200 says, very inspirational. I am a Midwestern guy, and this show makes me proud of Texas. Thank you so much for your reviews. They give me the motivation to continue on with the show, so please keep your feedback coming. I will be right back with my guest right after this quick message. So you're a podcaster too, huh? Well, you need a good place to host your web media. And let me tell you about Blueberry. Blueberry hosting is highly optimized for those using WordPress with their free PowerPress plugin. Publishing your podcast is a simple three-step process. One, produce your podcast. Two, write your blog post. Three, publish. Think of it as a recipe. WordPress plus PowerPress plus Blueberry hosting equals recipe for success. And when you use promo code VOTX, you'll get a free month of service. Trust me, your web hosting provider won't be able to handle the traffic of your downloads for long, and they can't give the awesome stats that you get with Blueberry. So what are you waiting for? Head over to blubrry.com and remember to use promo code VOTX for a free month of service. As a youngster, I always dreamed of what space travel would be like. And science fiction only scratched the surface of what I thought was possible out there. And being the science nerd that I was, I looked for opportunities to learn more about the universe around us, what our grand creator has made. And I took a great interest in astronomy, and I'm still a fan today. My guest, however, is taking a step toward the reality of interplanetary space travel. Occasional Austin resident Sonia Van Meter is one of the finalists for the Mars One Project, a one-way ticket to the Red Planet, in an effort to, quote, from their website, establish a permanent human settlement on Mars. Crews of four will depart every two years, starting in 2024. Our first unmanned mission will be launched in 2018, end quote. Well, Sonia, welcome to Voices of Texas. Hi, Matthew. Thanks for having me. Uh, Sonia, so when did you first get interested in space travel? Oh, gosh, I think I've always been uh, sort of a daydreamer when it came to space flight and space travel. Um, when I was a child, my, my dad was a huge fan of pretty much everything that could fly. And so we went to countless air shows and museums, um, anything that had to do with, with aeronautics. And uh, I, it was just sort of something that became very much a, a part of my daily life. And then there was the fact that my parents were very, very strict about the amount of television I was allowed to watch growing up as a child. There was exactly one hour and one hour alone 
uh, of television per week that I was allowed to watch. And that TV show was Star Trek. And uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't know of any, uh, any space fan who doesn't think that that show is just magnificent. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, I mean, it's been, it's been that way for as long as I've been alive. I've been looking up, I've been wondering what's out there and I've been wanting to see humanity go and, and, and get it for themselves. Well, you know, for me too, I think about, uh, growing up and watching a lot of science fiction and reading a lot of science fiction and, and looking at the, uh, the grandeur, uh, that was, that was put on by these things and not so much the battles in space and things like that, but the humanity of it. Uh, you know, that was, uh, it was such a focal point, a lot of that, that science fiction and of course reading science fiction, the same thing. So getting into, into space travel and the thought of going to Mars and never returning, uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's a, first of all, that's a grand concept to begin with, but how has this impacted the relationship with your husband? You know, um, it hasn't, <laughs> It hasn't been as difficult as I thought it would be, but part of that, a huge part of that has to do with the fact that I married the perfect man for me. Um, my husband and I, when we wrote our vows, we talked about how this marriage would serve to make us the very best versions of ourself. And, and for this, this opportunity, when it came along, it became very clear very quickly that this was a way for me to become the best version of myself, to, to advocate on behalf of, of space flight and space exploration and to help get other people excited and inspired about the concept. Now, when we wrote our vows, there was no asterisk uh, that allowed for, you know, a departure from the planet. So right. bless his heart. Most people don't think about that when they're going to get married, right? <laughs> Most people don't. It never occurs to anyone that, you know, someone might want to leave the planet. Um, and I'm not going to say that it wasn't uh, a long and peculiar and sometimes difficult conversation. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, he has been my greatest champion, my loudest supporter. Um, and he believes in this mission just as much as I do. Yeah, I think it was your husband in a BBC interview who compared this trip to like those of Columbus or Magellan. And they left their families to go pursue and, and explore and 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 go on grand adventures. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Um, now, fortunately for them, they, they had a way back if they ever wanted to get home. <laughs> but the, the they, they didn't know that for sure. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. You're absolutely right. They yeah. didn't know that for sure. And, um, and I think that also uh, the gender roles play, uh, play a bit of a part in all of this. Uh, the, all the people that you mentioned, Columbus, Magellan, they were men. And, right. um, you know, the world is used to men going off and exploring you know, it was, it was 12 men that walked on the moon. Um, and I think that my story in particular has been a little more interesting to people um, than it would otherwise because I'm a female. I am, I am a wife. I'm not a husband. And it's a, it's a rare thing to see um, the woman wanting to go out and explore. The woman is supposed to be, uh, at least traditionally, of course, um, the, the source of support at home while, while you know, the men go out and do the exploring. So I think that has caught a little bit of attention. I'm sure it has. And, and I'm sure, I mean, have people said things about you as a result of this and, and maybe kind of pointed fingers your direction? Oh my, have they said things. <laughs> I can only imagine. 
Uh, yeah, there has been, you know, one of the cardinal rules about reading things uh, online on the internet is that you never, ever, ever read the comments. And I have broken that rule on occasion yeah. when stories were written about my husband and myself. And oh my, I have been called every name in the book. And my poor husband has been called every name. People call him a sap, call him a sucker. They tell him his wife obviously doesn't love him, that I'm just some, you know, uh, what do you call it, a spotlight seeker looking for her 15 minutes. I mean, yeah. we have been mocked. We have been attacked. But, um, I mean, that's, that's just, <laughs> that comes with the territory. Yeah. Whenever you have a story to tell, people are going to have an opinion about it. And I'm sure that people are going to have their opinions about this. Um, but you know, when you're thinking about, uh, your relationship, you, you already have that defined, uh, with your husband as to, you know, your plans for the future anyway. Yes, certainly. Um, and the truth of the matter is, I mean, we don't know how the story is going to turn out. This is, this is page one of a very, very long narrative. And, uh, for all I know, I could be eliminated very soon, or I could be selected for training and then the mission doesn't find funding, or uh, this could go the distance. Um, you know, for, for anyone that says, and I've heard this, for anyone that says that I am somehow disrespecting my marriage by pursuing this, I, and the fact of the matter is we could all walk out tomorrow and, you know, a, a meteor could fall on us. We could be hit by a car. I, you know, there tragic accidents could happen that could cut all of this short. And, uh, this has just given us a new and really exciting and interesting avenue to explore. Right. Um, so, yeah. Well, and, and two, there's so many variables like you talked about that, that could happen between now and then. So we really don't know the outcome, but I think the excitement behind it is, is really what's, uh, what's interesting here. And that just being able to, that they've got the wherewithal, first of all, to start this project and then being able to narrow down and select individuals for this. Um, so that said, what kind of prepara preparation are you looking at to have to do for a trip like this? And then, of course, how long is it going to take to get there? Well, it's going to take eight months to get from Earth to Mars um, during, during the time that we, we leave. Because, of course, you know, Mars and Earth are always at differing, uh, differing distances. Um, but there's going to be a ton of training. And I think that's a huge part of the reason that there is such a a long uh, time frame for this for this whole mission. Um, there are we're going to need to be trained in in lots of things. Of course, there are going to be four people uh, in each group. Two of them are going to need to be uh, specifically trained in medicine, um, medical care, emergency care, things like that. Um, and the other two are going to be more specifically trained on technology and engineering and maintenance and things of that of that nature. Um, now, of course, we're all going to be trained on, on all of these elements to a certain extent, but there's going to be some specialization uh, within each crew. And for that reason, um, there's also going to be group training. Uh, a, a huge part of the reason that they opened up the application process to anyone in the world is because they weren't as concerned with finding uh, technical experts as they were with finding personalities and characters that could deal with an eight-month trip in space in a tiny little spaceship uh, and then the rest of your life on a barren wasteland. Um, 
so, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of group activities and group exercises to see how we work with one another, how we interact with one, one another, you know, how the power dynamics play out. Um, and then, of course, this is all in addition to massive physical training, um, yes. you know, because there's going to be so much, uh, I mean, a, a zero gravity environment just wreaks all kinds of havoc on the human system. Um, so we're going to be, ha- we're going to need to be in very good shape when we leave and we're going to be able to, we're going to need to be able to maintain what we can uh, in terms of a, an exercise regimen uh, during the trip uh, when, we're, when we're in zero gravity. Well, and mentally too, that's got to be somewhat of a, of a strain. For one thing, you're, you're packed in a little uh, tin can, for lack of a better description <laughs> there, uh, with these people that you, you, know, you don't know who they are yet. And, and if you're selected, you're going to be spending, you know, eight months of your life in this little cramped space. And, and, you know, that's, that's a little intimate. I mean, you're going to get to know each other very well, you know, during that time period. And so you kind of have to throw a lot of things out the window that you're accustomed to, uh, when just ordinary day here on earth. Very true. Very true. It's going to be, uh, uncomfortable, (laughs) To put it very, very, very mildly, um, I think most people would call it something more along the lines of god awful. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it, what what kind of feelings and emotions do you think you might encounter then during that period of time? You're there, stuck eight months, and, and of course, eventually longer with these people, but in a much smaller, you know, contained space for that period of time. Uh, well, if if we can trust the NASA studies, which I do, um, I think we can expect depression. Um, depression and sadness uh, with, with the lack of exercise, the lack of sunlight, the lack of free space, um, you know, confinement. Um, studies of, of long periods of confinement like that usually say that people get incredibly depressed. Um, now, fortunately, the good people at Mars One uh, are aware of this, and I'm sure they're taking this into account, but I imagine that uh, uh, combating the feelings of loneliness and isolation that are bound to come with a long uh, space flight, um, that'll be priority. Finding a way to overcome uh, some really dark and negative emotions. Sure. I can only imagine. Of course, just like you say, no sunlight for portions of it. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a time where you're going to see it a little bit, but it's not like being on earth with the atmosphere distributing that sunlight everywhere and <laughs> you know exactly you're you know, not going to be able to go outside and you know feel it on your face exactly exactly of course uh, who knows what it'll be like on the surface you know uh we we've had plenty of imagery from there but uh having that no man has set foot there yet we really just don't know what we're going to run into yeah i can tell you we're going to run into a lot of sand yeah. we're going to run into uh, a lot of sand storms and wind storms um we're going to see about a third of the gravity um, and it's going to be, it's going to be darker than we're used to. And when you're there too, on the, on the surface, uh, and w- when you, when they're beginning to build these habitats, uh, you're looking at growing a lot of your own food there. Yes. Right? Yeah. The whole, the whole idea behind this design is that, uh, the, the settlement needs to become wholly sustainable. Right. Um, and that's going to mean, especially in the beginning, growing a lot of our own stuff. Right. So has there been studies done to determine if, if even if they were to put up some, some type of habitat with the Martian soil, obviously the atmosphere is probably not very conducive to any kind of growth there, but would the Martian soil have minerals or things that could be used in, in growing certain types of plants? 
I believe so. Um, I have not done a ton of research on it, but it, uh, it has been suggested, I believe, that growth in Martian soil is going to be possible for certain things. Now, for Mars One's purposes, we're going to be doing everything hydroponically at first. Yeah, it's all going to be done indoors. It's going to be done in a controlled environment with, uh, with sun lamps and things of that nature. I see. And that was going to be my next question. I was just thinking about hydroponic labs and, mm-hmm. and you know, that that's kind of the stuff of science fiction, but it has a lot of practical value in an environment like that. Well, how much of science fiction has become science fact? A lot, <laughs> a lot, uh, Cell you know, phones and, and tablets I, and computers. I know I just, uh, we think about just carrying around, uh, I, I look at my iPad mini and I think to myself, you know, about 20 years ago, I was watching this on Star Trek Next Generation, thinking how cool it would be to have a device like that that would have everything right there and, uh-huh. and camera. And, and now we're carrying them around in our pockets and purses. And who knows? And it's inconvenient when they don't work for us. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, so when do you think that you're going to know? Uh, well, I say you think, but I'm sure you have uh, an idea of when the the date is going to be where you're going to know if you've made the top 100. Uh, we will, we'll actually, we're actually going to be finding out very soon. Uh, we are going to find out, we're going to be notified um, publicly on Monday, February 16th. Very good. And it's uh, coming up soon. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Uh, I know uh, you also have a, uh, uh, did an interview recently uh, that'll also be made public then, uh, right? Uh, the interview that I did with Mars One. Uh, well, and you, I think you were talking about the Washington Post or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Washington Post was good yeah. enough to do a piece on several candidates, actually, who were in, the, um, who were in their area. Um, I, was, I was a part of that, and I, I would love it if, if anyone wanted to go and Google it and check it out. Um, uh, yeah, that is already up, actually. That's live on their website, and I believe it ran in print today. Fantastic. Well, I'll, we'll put that up in our, in our show notes. Uh, then too, where people can find that link and, and read more about it. So how can someone find out more about you and of course about the Mars One Project? What's their best bet? Uh, well, for the Mars One Project, piece of cake, go to their website. It's www.mars-one.com. Uh, they've got an extensive website. It covers all kinds of frequently asked questions, talks about the plan, the timeline, the mission, the training. It's a really, really comprehensive site. Lots of good information there. Okay. Uh, and, and to know more about me, might I suggest you go to my Twitter handle. It's bourbonface, at bourbonface. Okay. Because, you know, those are decisions you make when you're younger and you don't think that you're ever going to be, you know, <laughs> someone yeah. people want to look into. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny when you run across people that are in their 40s that have the email address uh, studmuffin17 at you know, so, <laughs> so think, think about yeah. that after the fact. Well, Sonia, thank you so much for being on the show today. It, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. And I really wish you the best in your efforts. And I would really like to catch up with you again one day, you know, once you make the final cut. Absolutely. Keep in touch. Very good. And thank you for listening today to Voices of Texas. If you're not already, please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And of course, you can find out everything you need about the show at VoicesOfTexas.com. Voices of Texas is also on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And please show your support for this program by visiting the support link on VoicesOfTexas.com. That's all for today. I will be back next episode for another interesting Texan here on Voices of Texas. 
Opinions of guests, co-hosts, and others appearing on this podcast are not necessarily the views of its host, producer, or affiliates. No part of this podcast may be reproduced or retransmitted in any way over any medium without express written consent of the producer.